As far as the eye can see, there is nothing but tall stalks of green grass. You enter it from the road, a road you'll likely never see again. You walk through it, and it never stops. You look behind you, and the road is gone, as are any tracks you've made. Suddenly the sun is on your right, when you could have sworn it had been on your left. As the voices that lured you in simultaneously sound closer and farther away, it dawns on you. You've been taken by the grass, just as the others, and you will never leave its grasp. Today's episode focuses on a Netflix original based on the novella by Stephen King and his son Joe Hill, a film that came and went, but is creepy enough that we believe it worth a full episode. I'm Connor Zagari. And I'm Austin Johnson. And welcome to Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday, listeners. We're back into the horror deep end after swimming in the kiddie pool of comedy last week with Young Frankenstein. Hope you had as much fun with that one as we did. Today we take on a Netflix original that neither of us had seen prior to recording, In the Tall Grass, based on the novella by Stephen King and his novelist son, Joe Hill, author of Horns, Nosferatu, The Fireman, and the graphic novel series Lock and Key, among others. In just two weeks, you can check out our eighth Weird Shit Wednesday, episode 40, where we'll look into the success of the Harry Potter film franchise. Woo! We're both massive Potter fans, and we'll have a blast dissecting all eight movies and talking about where this world-changing franchise got its start. Don't miss it. Cannot wait for that. Mischief managed! <laughs> That's like your favorite thing to say. It's my favorite quote from the movie. <laughs> Why? From, I, I, it just makes me smile. Uh, that'll be a fun... I can't wait for that one. Harry Potter's gonna be so much fun. Time for the Rewind, where we look at past episodes, see if we've got any updated tidbits. Today, we've got two. One for bonus eight, Joker, and one for episode ten, Roman Polanski. First, Joker has become the first R-rated film in history to reach one billion dollars global box office. Yes. Who would have fucking thought? Fifty-five million dollar budget, billion dollar gross. Wow. Unbelievable. A film that most people thought was going to fail. <laughs> most people talk shit about before even seeing. Yeah. Yeah, man. A film that's going to make serious waves at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, is now the highest grossing R-rated film of all time. Oh, so crazy. <laughs> Joaquin. Joaquin Phoenix, man. Joaquin Phoenix. This is uh, the most successful movie by far he's been a part of. It's oh. so, so cool. Yeah, by, like, a large by margin. A, <laughs> by more than double. More than fucking triple. Like... He's, well, yeah, I guess Gladiator would be second, probably. Probably, and that's yeah, nowhere near. I bet Walk the Line was successful, but not yeah, this successful. Yeah. Oh my gosh, no! <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, I, I'm glad. I honestly thought It Chapter Two was going to have that honor, but it didn't do nearly as well as I thought. No. <laughs> no, I, I mean, when all the people know that the adult part, second part, is just like more boring. You already go into. I think just less people were as, were amped about the part two than part one. I don't know. Such Not me, shame. but yeah. Yeah. Well, for more on that, you can check out our bonus on it chapter two. Yeah. So it was a really good movie. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, an update on Polanski. Kind of one of his movies, at least. Screenwriter Robert Town is reportedly joining forces with director David Fincher to produce a Chinatown prequel series for Netflix. The series will reportedly focus on the early years of private detective Jake Giddis a role made iconic by Jack Nicholson in 1974's Chinatown. What do you think about this? I can't wait. Really? Well, yeah, it's David Lynch. It's Chinatown. I would have thought you would hate this. 
What would I? Ah, uh, no, I would hate it if it was um, just something made like on a whim by someone that I didn't trust. But okay. this guy made my favorite TV show of all time, so Twin Peaks. So I, mean, I thought it was Fincher. Say it again. I thought it was David Fincher doing this. I thought it was David Lynch. Is what you said? Not Fincher. Oh yeah, edit that out, man. I thought you said. I, this is news to me. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh shit! I thought you said Lynch. No, it's David Fincher. <clears throat> oh man. Okay, well, yeah, I, I, I'm lost now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you less, or, wait, more or less excited now? Oh, well, I'm pretty much the same, <laughs> because I love both of them. But I, I don't know who I like more. I mean, I love Fincher. He makes great movies. Fincher obviously did Mindhunter, which is awesome. You know, he's like yeah. has a big hand in it anyway. He's directed a few episodes, so. I'm just tired of movie of TV shows based off movies. They just, oh, well, they're yeah. They're taking everything well, and throwing it in. Okay, this. I see what you're saying when you probably thought that I was going to hate it. Yeah. Because it's rehashing something. Yeah. But it is like a, it's a prequel, and you know, you know, I mean, Chinatown's one of my favorite movies, like ever, and Jack Nicholson. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, it's gonna be tough, but yeah, with someone, someone like that attached to it, then I'm definitely going to check it out. <laughs> so am I. Yeah, I wonder who's gonna play Jake Giddis. Oh boy, who I don't know. Are they gonna do what uh, Doctor Sleep did? Probably not, because that fucking failed. Get old Henry, <laughs> Henry boy. <laughs> Oh, man. Henry Thomas. He's just going to be the Jack Nicholson stand-in <laughs> yeah, yeah, forever, forever now? Yeah, No matter what movie it is, yeah. <laughs> what series it is. My God. No, nah, it'll probably be like James Marsden or something. I don't know. I... Do you think Chinatown has enough of a, like, regular audience following for this to be successful? No. Yeah, this is, this is complete news to me. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of that movie, so yeah, I'm like... I'm pretty like I want to go read about it. <laughs> no, I, I didn't know about this at all, and I'm super amped. But no, I don't think there is, especially with young people who are like watching Netflix consistently. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of people who are like, oh, Chinatown. Yeah, like let me check out what what Jake was doing before before the Chinatown happenings. No, I don't think that's <laughs> I don't think that's happening. I don't think anybody's well, ever and, said and, that. And then when people, yeah, no, and then when pe- until now. <laughs> And then when people look up, it was a Polanski film that he turns more people off. That's They're true. Like, Fuck that. Yeah. But uh, David Fincher is powerful. Um, David Lynch is too, but <laughs> Fincher is more powerful, I think, especially with Mindhunter. It's already like a great Netflix show. Yeah. I think people are going to check it out, including myself, but no, I don't think it has like any clout. I don't think like because it's Chinatown, you know? Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm not really going to hold my breath. No. But I'll probably check out the pilot. Yeah, it's always worth checking out, yeah, an hour of it, right, to see. Yeah. Yeah. Now, time for In the Tall Grass. The film is based on the novella of the same name that was co-written by Stephen King and his son, Joe Hill. The novella has been available exclusively as an ebook and audiobook since its release in 2012, and it was originally published in Esquire magazine in two parts. It's only recently been made available in print, and only in Joe Hill's short story collection, Full Throttle, published last month, which I totally intend to purchase, because I, I don't like Kindles. Oh, hell no. Yeah. I need, if I'm going to read, which is not nearly as much as I used to these days, but yeah, yeah I cannot, I can't do that. I'll read articles on my phone, mm-hmm. but not, not yeah, a not, full book. Not a book, no, no. I have to, I like the act of turning the page. I like the weight of the book in my hands. Yes. Yes. That's why I haven't read this one yet. <laughs> well, when I, when I turn pages and I feel like I'm tackling something, you know, I feel like there goes 10, there goes 20, you know, I'm like. I just keep, you know, keep moving along. Yeah. With the Kindle, it feels like this weird, cheap, what page am I really on? Because it's, like, condensed, you know? I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. 
And if you like press a button or something, you lose your place. Exactly. And it's not like you can, you know, turn the turn the page. It takes for fucking ever if you yeah. are like in the middle of a book. I did that once. I was reading the first of a Song of Ice and Fire. Ah, Game of Thrones on a Kindle. That's the only one I've read. And I read the first three, and they're they're good books. Yeah, no, it was great. I just took a lot yeah. of my time. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a slog. But I was reading the first one, and it was a collection that had all five on it. So I I pressed a button. I got like my progress erased. And I had no fucking clue where to go, because there's five books in here. There's like 3,000 pages. And I had to figure it out. And I was so pissed. And that was the end of my Jeez. Kindle journey. I re- I picked up the book in, paper, in a hardcover, and I read it then. Yeah. And I haven't looked back. Jeez, yeah, Not man. a fan. What a, hor- what, a, what a horrible moment. You were probably like, oh, my. I was pissed. Yeah. <laughs> but there's no one here with me. You know, it's just me and my fucking Kindle. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Ugh. The film, In the Tall Grass, was written and directed by Vincenzo Natale, director of Cube, future episode for sure, Splice, which I remember being kind of weird, I haven't seen that one, and he's also directed various episodes of Hemlock Grove, Orphan Black, Hannibal, Wayward Pines, Luke Cage, The Strain, American Gods, Lost in Space, Westworld, and he's set to direct two episodes of Lock and Key, which is set to premiere next year sometime. So the guy clearly has an eye for TV. Yeah, clearly he likes to work. <laughs> yeah. And uh, have you seen Cube? I have not. It's actually a pretty decent film. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've heard that. Pretty from cool. A few people, yeah. It's definitely a predecessor to like Saw. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, we'll definitely have to do that one. For sure. Creative movie. The film was produced by Netflix and was critically panned upon release. It has an IMDb score of 5.5 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 37%, which is pretty goddamn horrendous. James Marsden was originally cast as Ross Humboldt, but left the project due to scheduling issues. He was replaced by Patrick Wilson, star of James Wan's Conjuring franchise, among others. Personally, I love him in Watchmen, and I thought he was a badass Ocean Master. Patrick? Yeah. He is the fucking man. He, and, and to me, the guy, he's the one who stands out in this movie. The, yeah. The, in the tall grass. Definitely. Which is probably what you expect, right? I'm like, oh, this guy, he's, he's been in horror. He's, you know, done stuff with James Wan, and like you said... Uh, he's been with DC now. I, I love him. I love Patrick. Uh, we definitely have a really cool bonus lined up for you guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he's he's the standout in this film for sure. I'm definitely glad he got it instead of Marston. You think James Marston wouldn't have pulled it off? Not not as well, no. Yeah. No. Not, to me, not as, um, maybe not as diverse as, as Patrick will uh, Patrick can get. I, I agree. I think Patrick has this, like, this weird quality about him where you believe he's fucking crazy yeah, there's kind of a gear yeah, yeah a gear he goes to yeah. i don't know what it is but he can snap so yeah. well yeah <laughs> uh Lesla de Oliveira plays becky the pregnant sister she's also set to appear in the upcoming lock and key series but apart from this her most recognizable role was as glow in three episodes of the gifted one of Fox's X-Men shows. Yeah, I've never heard of her before. I've never heard of any of these people beyond Patrick Wilson. And frankly, I don't think a lot of them have careers ahead of them. Yeah, no, neither have I. But, you know, you got to start somewhere. And Yeah. Netflix is a good place for some people. Yeah, yeah. they'll greenlight anything and anyone. I mean, there's comedy specials by some of the unfunny, like the least funny people yeah. in the world on Netflix. Yeah, don't get lost in the comedy specials on Netflix. Oh, no. Don't, don't for, get lost. For every John Mulaney, there's, you know, three or four. I don't even remember their fucking names because they were terrible. Shit shows, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Ugh. Uh, Avery Witted plays Cal, Becky's overprotective brother. I, oh my god! What gosh. a prick! What a horrible actor! Horrible character! <laughs> Everything across the board. That guy, Cal, sucked. The weird, like, incestual longing that's in there. Like, it's weird. Oh god, I couldn't stand him, dude. This is Witted's second film after appearing in 2017's *The Vanishing of Sydney Hall*, which I've never heard of. So, probably gonna crash and burn. <laughs> Maybe destined for TV. I don't know. But yeah, Cal's a very strange character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd say so. Right when he, like, backpedaled into the, the grass and was like, Captain Cal, to the rescue. I was like, fuck that guy. I don't want to deal with him for an hour and 30 minutes. I really don't. <laughs> That's fucking great. Oh, man. Will Bowie Jr. plays Tobin, the creepy little boy who lures Cal and Becky into the grass. He has a lead role in the Disney Channel series, Bunked. <laughs> where he plays something something Sawyer because that's what everybody's fucking called on the Disney Channel <laughs> he's a Tobin's a weird character yeah I'd say so he's almost like the the spirit of the <laughs> the spirit of the grass or some shit it's, it's hard to explain uh, I'm, I, uh, it's hard. I don't want to be hard on like a kid actor but he's not good <laughs> Like, he's not good. It's totally okay to be hard on a kid actor, because there are really good kid actors out there. That's true. There's been characters yeah. up for, yeah, like, Oscars yeah. and stuff. Uh, Jacob just Tremblay. Saw, yeah, yeah, I was just going to say Jacob Doctor Tremblay. Sleep, yeah. Who's great in everything he's been in that I've seen. And, my, yeah, my gosh. Just, right, again, from the get-go, just when he's yelling out, I'm like, oh, no. Don't believe it. <laughs> well, there's so many weird moments. Like when Help! He, like, when Tobin runs into Cal, and he's like, like, it's easier to find things when they're dead, or something like that. Like just casually holding a dead bird, like, and that's never explained. Whatever the fuck was up I with just, that? I don't, I don't like. Yeah, I don't like in horror movies when they just like use these tropes that have been done, just have been done, and are worn out, not original. And this, it, but there's no like rhyme or reason to them. No. I don't know. Just kind of. I expect more from Stephen King adaptations. Yes, agreed. And his work is actually surprisingly devoid of tropes. Yeah, he, he avoids them. Exactly. This is why I was like, just kind of like really this tobin character really like he's just like he's gonna have those kind of creepy one-liners and he's monotone really but then that's just like part of it the rest of the movie he's a normal kid yeah yeah well yeah we'll get into the whole time loop thing yeah (laughs) uh harrison gilbertson plays travis becky's ex-boyfriend who goes searching for her months after her disappearance gilbertson previously appeared in need for speed upgrade and the 2018 amazon miniseries picnic at hanging rock and I, I really liked Upgrade. Oh, I love Upgrade. Yeah, that was a I think we film. need to do Upgrade yes. as, a, as an episode. That was a cool movie. It's a very good movie. But Need for Speed, nah. Oh my gosh. Not Did you bother. see it? No, I never played the game, so I didn't fucking bother. Well, I, I played the games, like the arcade ones, you know. I Yeah, but fuck that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I was, I, yeah, we had just watched Aaron Paul be Jesse Pinkman for five years. I, no, I'm good. I don't need to see him in a car. <laughs> Uh, no thanks. Did you think Gilbertson was? What did you think of his performance? I thought he was decent. He's fine. Yeah, but he's kind of every ex-boyfriend in every horror movie. Yes. Again, not or not like original. Same trope as usual. Yeah. Just like, oh, okay. He's just like kind of like I made mistakes, but like I'm here to explain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Every time. <laughs> yeah. Every time. There's these shitty ass boyfriends. <laughs> oh man. Finally, Rachel Wilson plays Natalie, Tobin's mother, and the one character we never really get to be around at all. 
No, I don't even know what her face looks like, to be honest. Wilson has 101 credits to her name, and the only ones I recognize are Saw, the final chapter, yes. and Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me, but I don't remember her in either one. Both awesome movies, just for very different reasons. <laughs> yeah, very <laughs> yeah, very different reasons. Yeah. But she was in so much that I've never fucking heard of. It's amazing. <laughs> Sometimes you'll get on IMDb and you'll see, yeah, you'll see their credits. And yeah. Like, what? Actually, kind when? Of amazing. How? <laughs> She's tried so hard at not being famous. It's very strange. As just being one of those people yeah. like, in movies. Yeah. It's weird. She's got like the Hollywood like career equivalent of like a Foot Locker manager. <laughs> like, yeah, you you're a little bit better than most people, but you're you're still the manager of a Foot Locker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're still wearing that goddamn referee uniform. <laughs> and there's really not much to talk about in regards to the cast or the production. Oh, no. This just kind of happened overnight. The trailer was released weeks before the movie was dropped on Netflix, and nobody liked it. No. Case it, closed. And there would be there would be no poster or whatever if it weren't for Patrick Wilson. There or be no, Stephen King. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you, Patrick Wilson kind of saves this movie from being... Just pure shit. Yeah, from just falling on the backlog of Netflix's horror movies. Yeah, which is a very fast that is a and deep, long list. It's like the fucking Mariana Trench of bad horror movies. Yeah, it's just I, never ending. I, 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 I praise folks out there who just kind of go and just go out and let them watch those just for fun. I, I can't really do that. I don't have no, time. I can't either. I don't have time. I used to do that, but I got burned so many times, yes. I started being a little more selective. Yeah. You're like, I've been cheated on one too many times yes. now. I can't I'm, do this again. I'm ready to... I can't open my heart to another mo- bad movie. I yeah. just can't do it. Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> it's tough. But there's been a couple of times where I've been like really surprised. Like, you ever see They're Watching? No, I haven't. That movie, critically panned, like 30%, one of the most brilliant horror films I've ever seen. That's awesome. So creepy. It was a found footage movie dealing with witchcraft. Oh, right on. Really smart, really cool, a little funny. I was I enjoyed that big time. Hell yeah. And that's one of Netflix's like you know, backlog movies. I'll have to check it out for sure. Yeah. But then I've seen, you know, for that, I've seen like 50 other ones that I never want to speak of again. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to try our best to take you through the plot of this movie, see if we can't milk a discussion out of this weak-ass movie. And uh, <laughs> we'll do our best, but no promises. <laughs> so let's get into the plot of In the Tall Grass. We start out in the My, tall grass. The worst scene of the fucking movie <laughs> with fucking Cal, the brother, just just shut up, dude. Just shut up and drive, man. <laughs> Oh, he's so annoying. Anyway, take yeah. it away. Becky and Cal, siblings, traveling to San Diego. Becky is six months pregnant. She's going to give up her baby for adoption. All you know is dad's not in the picture because he got cold feet. And Cal is very overprotective, like to the like to an annoying degree. And she is she wants to tell him to fuck off, but she can't because he's you know her brother, and she's it's kind of all she's got right now. If the movie, if you watch this movie with no sound, you would think they're definitely in a relationship. I thought so for a long time. I actually time. did kind of too until I started paying attention. Because <laughs> at first I was like, man, I don't know if I'm ready to watch this. Because I saw what it got, you know, the, the ratings and it's hard to go into, the, I go into stuff open-minded. But this is not a good scene. I didn't think she that he was her brother. I thought he was her, like, 
nice guy best friend waiting for an opening. There you go. Okay. That's what I thought there it was. Until she said, can you help me find my brother? And then I'm like, oh, that's okay. That's weird then. <laughs> that's a weird way to write that guy. Uh, weird, weird intro to the movie there. Yeah. <laughs> they stop outside an old church so Becky can puke, motion sickness, and probably nerves. And they hear a young boy calling for help in this giant field of grass. Like, very tall grass. Imagine that. And the kid's name is Tobin. He's calling for help. And they're both just like, that's weird. Should we call somebody? Like, what should we do here? And they hear Tobin's mother, Natalie, begging Tobin not to call for anyone. Don't let anyone into this grass. And they're both like, huh, we should go in that grass. Which is, yeah. Because this is a horror movie and nobody fucking has any critical thinking skills. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I would maybe not go in the endless field of nightmares grass. Especially if you're pregnant. Yeah. I, this movie should not happen. Like, no. she is pregnant. It's six months pregnant. Not just like eh, a few weeks, you know, yeah. or a couple months. No, six months. Like, she's two thirds of the way through. Rational people would just drive right past that Would shit. just. I'm going to sit back down in this comfortable car because yeah. that's what I should And call do. the police and say, hey, there's a kid lost in the grass here. My name? Hang up. And then leave. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we needed, a, we needed a movie, so here we go. Did we? Did we need a movie? No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> what's his name that made this? Uh... Vincenzo Natale. Vincenzo, yeah, yeah. He needed yeah. a movie. No, he needed to make it, yeah. <laughs> so, they're concerned. They enter the grass one at a time and are quickly separated. And they start realizing that there's something weird about this grass. Their position is changing. Everyone sounds close, but also far away. They look like, you know, they jump up in the air to see how close they are, and they're right in front of each other, but they can't see each other in the grass. And I'll admit, this was this was creepy. Uh, very. Yeah. very it's, it's, like, extremely unsettling watching, yeah. especially Becky. Yeah. Watching her, like, yeah, when she says, like, we're going to jump, and you, they both jump. It's, like, slow motion, and she sees him, and then she doesn't see him. Yeah, and then she's just like, all right, like, Let's just get to the road. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, oh, It's fuck. a freaky idea of just being trapped in a maze. I could go for a movie about, like, that. Just to confine, like, in the maze. No explanations, no rhyme or reason. Just a killer in there with this maze that makes no sense. I'm fine with that. Watch Cube. Oh, sweet. <laughs> awesome. It's yeah. that. Exactly. Well, well like, like, like the ending of The Shining. It's yeah. like, this is great. This maze, like, and this guy's just fucking insane, like, trying to kill a kid. Like, this is insane. This is very scary. Yeah. I'm yeah. down with that. And, like, yeah, it, it is a good rebound off of that, like, horrible dialogue at the beginning of the movie. So, it, it is, it's a creepy scene. Yeah. Especially once it starts getting dark and they're still trapped in the grass and they're both like, what the fuck's going on? Starting to sweat, stepping in mud and yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... Cal stumbles into Tobin, the boy, holding a dead crow, claims it's easier to find things once they're dead, because the grass doesn't move dead things. And uh, I think before that, he runs into the, he finds the dead dog. Freddy, I think his name Freddy. was. That was creepy. You don't see a lot of dead dogs in movies, no. especially not like that. Fuck. And uh, Becky runs into Tobin's father, Ross Humboldt, is the name, real estate's the game. Patrick Wilson. I'd buy a house in Patrick Wilson. Hell yeah. I'd, he'd kill me in it. But, but hey, <laughs> he'd get that sale. <laughs> they, and Ross tells it like, look, you know, how long have you been here? And Ross is like, it's just weird. You got to trust me on this. Becky says like, 
who are you? And he's like, oh, you don't know me from Adam. I get it. Like, he gives off creepy vibes immediately. Yeah, he's talking, like, almost too much, and he's too calm. Yeah. So you're immediately like, all right, Patrick Wilson's a fucker. Yeah, all right, is, here yeah. we go. He's too calm. And that's that's when I kind of got, like, into it. I was like, all right, cool. Here we go. Wilson's going to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. So Becky and, to- Becky and Ross start walking, and they get separated pretty quickly. And Tobin leads Cal to an ancient rock in the field, encourages him to touch it. Did t- so, in regards to the to later in the movie, why is Tobin encouraging Cal to touch the rock? No idea. I thought about that immediately, and I was like, I, I don't know. Like, the loops don't make sense. It's only a loop if it all happens the same way. Yes. Nothing happens the same way. No. It's very hard to understand. I, I need someone to explain it to me. Yeah. yeah. I gotta read the story. Maybe this maybe this all makes sense if you read the story. But that's just like that sucks for people who are like aren't gonna read it yeah. and just have this movie that's like, well, alright. Well, I heard that a lot of the problems that people had with this movie is it stretches the story to like the nth degree to fit the runtime. So they added See, a That's bunch what of I'm shit. saying. Yeah. I'd rather have like a confined that's the best horrors when it's just Yeah. Less simple. is more. Yes, we always say that here on yeah. Filmcasm. Less, Less is, is more. more. Less is more. <laughs> Do what Spielberg did with Joss. Yes. It's the exact opposite of how Hollywood thinks. <laughs> more is more. <laughs> well, like, we're going to talk about Harry Potter soon. Um, in a couple weeks. Voldemort isn't shown. Like, his full form isn't shown until the fucking fourth movie. At the end of the fourth movie. That's insane, you know? I'd, I don't know. There's just, like, time and time again, we've seen, like, big movies do this, like, successful stuff. Just do that. Well, the even, first even three if you're movies, just a Netflix film, just do that. Like the, it's clearly yeah. a good formula. The first three movies are all about the you know the overarching menace of Voldemort, yeah. what he did, what he possibly could yeah, do, yeah, what he's capable, what he thinks. Yeah. yeah, he nearly comes back to life in the first two movies. Yeah, barely trying. Mm-hmm. And the third movie is you know his servants come to kill. So yeah. it's brilliant how it's well J.K. sets up Voldemort. Oh yeah, it's my it's probably my favorite thing yeah. she did with those with those books. Oh for sure. Is setting that villain up, yeah. And that's a little tease for our Weird Shit Wednesday in two Yeah, weeks. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking of like big ways like in, in recent, you know, in yeah. film, like when you when you do that, it's just effective. It yeah. can just be really effective if you kinda take the scare and, and yeah, kinda like confine it, you know. I don't know. Very true. Ugh. So they're in the Tobin wants Cal to touch this giant rock. Possibly some kind of alien thing, some kind of ancient, like, Native American thing. It's never really made too clear. And they're interrupted by Becky's scream as she's attacked by something. We don't see what attacks her. I think if we pause it, we could see her. It kind of looked like Natalie. It, yeah, it definitely does. But that makes no fucking sense. Nope. <laughs> and then meanwhile, the father of Becky's child, Travis, is looking for her and Cal. He finds their car parked outside the church, decides to investigate the field of grass, and he stumbles into Tobin, who leads him to Becky's rotting corpse. And he, you know, he's freaking out, he's hor- you know, horrified, he's sobbing, and then as he's grieving, he loses sight of Tobin. Yes. At the same time, an earlier version of Tobin arrives at the church with Natalie and Ross, they, the Humboldt family shows up for the first time. This is very confusing. We're going to try our best to work through this. Yeah, because it's not... Yeah. This is not a linear film. No. So, as of now... It's not coherent either. No. The Humboldt family is showing up for the first time, and they hear Travis in the the 
grass, talking for yelling for Tobin. And their dog, Freddy, runs into the grass, and the family runs in after him. And that's where Travis hears Tobin, looks for him, the family panics, scatters, and they get lost. And that's how they ended up in the grass. So, it's all a circle for, I guess. Take what you will from that. <laughs> uh, Ross stumbles across the rock and touches it. And <laughs> Ross has that moment that reveals who he really is, where he's just like, fucking kid, can't fucking listen. Like, just his true, like, horrible father, horrible husband self is coming out. And <laughs> Jesus. Fucking kid. <laughs> Patrick Wilson really sells that. Yeah, he does. It's he freaky does. how well he's, he sells He's like, that. has to do so much acting because no one else is. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> his mom would be a fucking mother and do something for once. Just, Jesus, guy. <laughs> What's your deal, man? Oh, my God. Um, so, <laughs> they, uh, where was I? Ross touches the rock. Morning comes, and they show, it shows that Becky and Cal entered the grass investigating Tobin. Tobin states Freddy was killed, the, the dog, and knowing that the grass does not move dead things, Travis... Find, uh, he tells Becky and Cal to move toward Tobin, and all four find each other, and Travis can't fucking believe Becky's alive, because he saw her dead corpse. Yes. And he tells them that Becky and Cal have been missing for two months. Whew. And Cal's like, no, man, it's been two hours. Yeah. You're like, oh, shit, yeah. here we go. <laughs> it's one of these. Ugh. Fuck, I already watched Lost. I don't need this again. <laughs> Ugh. So, now they're all together, or four of them are. They spot a building in the distance. They walk to it by having uh, <clears throat> by having Tobin sit on Travis's shoulders and keep the building in sight. Smart, smart idea. So I guess somebody who's like in the NBA would totally be fine in this situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like this is fucking dumb. Yeah. <laughs> one thing that before we get it further into the plot, one thing: why did nobody fucking try to burn this fucker down? I don't know, or, or like. Me, I, I would just, like, because I know I'd get really frustrated if, like, I was in that situation be like, fuck this. You know, I'd get, like, almost get aggressive. Yeah. Why did no one ever, like, push the grass down? Like, or, like, try to, you know, like, make a path or anything? Like, they just kind of, like, eh, acted like they were, like, these really big trees or something. I don't know. I mean, of course, they're mentally, you know, like, losing it. But yeah. I just feel like at some point they would have tried to, like, move the grass down so that they could, like, eventually find each other. I don't know. Yeah. You know, almost like you're using a machete, like you're trying to, like, just cut it down. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like they didn't try hard enough. They totally did not try It reminded try me of enough. Billy Madison when he's like, you gotta think. You got a lost dog out there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's like, yeah, that part. You get your ass out there and find that fucking dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been a long time since I saw Billy Madison. That's great. The Ugh. puppy who lost his way. The puppy who lost his way. Uh so, on the way to the building, Becky receives a phone call from someone sounding very distressed. Spoiler alert, it's Becky herself calling from the future. And she tells past Becky to not let Cal hurt Travis, or else they're going to be stuck in a loop. And then you hear her scream, and she gets like, she drops the phone or something. Like, or else they're going to be stuck in a loop, so they're not already stuck in a loop, because I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> As they walk, the grass... Seemingly, kind of pokes Becky in the undercarriage, and she passes out. 
only to be revived by Ross, who shows up and gives her CPR and is like, oh, she's probably just suffering from heat stroke. He's too goddamn calm about yeah, everything. Like, I got this, yeah. He's clearly hiding something. <clears throat> and uh, it's weird that the grass seems to want Becky's baby as like a sacrifice or something. Yeah. I don't know. Something of the sort? I don't know, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Ross says, oh, I know the way out. Just follow me. And he takes him to, back to the rock and says, all you got to do is touch the rock and you're going to know everything, including how to get out of here. And that's when Natalie comes out of the grass and is like, don't trust him. He's fucking lying to you. And says, do not touch the rock. And Ross gets very quickly pissed off. Yes. And decides, no, you got to touch the rock. You got to trust me. And, the, and Travis and the others are like, all right, we got to we gotta get out of here. And Yeah, no shit. Travis, I think, pounces on Ross. Yes. And Ross beats the fuck out of him, dislocates its arm. And she... He, Fucking Patrick Wilson, dude. Yeah. Goes into just yeah, out of ultimate mode. Out of nowhere. For <sighs> no real reason other than he touched the rock. But it's not really ex- explained what the rock is and why this happens. I like explanations. I, I also like, don't... I, I Yeah, I of course, I also do, too. I think people love to have answers. A little how, a little why, that's all questions. I want. I, I also just don't like... like A rock? Really? A rock? Like... What is this, like a metaphor for? What's <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to get on board, you know, when Patrick Wilson's freaking out about a rock. Yeah, and then when he crushes his fucking wife's head like a, like a fucking watermelon. What the hell was that? I don't know, dude. He says something weird in that... Like, There's a nice one-liner there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> something about the grass. I don't know, dude. The grass is hungry or some shit like that, and he just crushes her head in some really bad CGI. <laughs> Netflix special, yeah, they're like, fuck, we don't have enough money, huh? <laughs> we invested too much in trying to keep these goddamn Marvel movies. So he runs after the others, claiming The Rock showed him the truth, but he does not want to leave the grass. And for all we know, he could have been in there for like three years. Like, who knows? Yeah. Because they don't tell us. Becky, Cal, yeah, Travis... if two hours is too months then well we don't know is there a ratio here I d- or, yeah i don't nothing makes sense yeah nothing adds up becky cal travis and tobin reach the abandoned building and it's like a bowling alley in the middle of this field which is kind of odd and while scouting travis and cal fi- see that freddie has managed to escape the field through a hole that leads to the road and before this travis and cal have it out cal finally says like he abandoned you are we just going to forget about that? Yeah. Like, that's important right now. <laughs> yeah, like, this asshole. You are trapped in a f- endless field of evil grass with Psycho Night Owl chasing you down. Well, man, it's a 9 out of 10 on the tension scale, so... <laughs> He's going to lash out, you know? Because, yeah, I, I, I would have tried to figure... <laughs> well done. I, I would have tried to figure that shit out earlier. Like, yeah. fuck this guy. He shouldn't be with us. But now you're, now you're going to bring it up? Like, when... No, man. Like, we don't have time yeah. for that. Strength in numbers. Horrible horror movie characters. Yeah. And then Travis is like, I made a mistake, and I still love you. And like, really, and he's guys? Not, and he's not a good actor, so. No. And he like, says like. In those moments, anyway. He has like he has that fight with Cal where he's like, you just know I'm not good enough for your little sister because you really want to fuck her. Like, wow, okay. So there's incest going on. We what's going on? What's we, happening? We don't have time to unpack all of that. I still but, want to know what's going on with the rock. Can we stop talking yeah, about incest? Yeah. Fucking hell. 
And then they start fighting, and then Patrick Wilson starts hitting on the door, and they're, they break out of it immediately, and are like, let's go! <laughs> it's so such a useless scene. And on the roof, when they see the dog escape, Cal drops Travis off the fucking roof. And he falls, seemingly to his death. Tobin witnesses this, flees into the field, when Ross follows him to the roof, singing, uh, is he singing Credence here again? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Midnight special. Fantastic. <laughs> Patrick Wilson, not a bad singer. No, no, no. Yeah, he can... Conjuring 2, he did some Elvis. Like, yeah, he's good. pretty good. Yeah, hey, hey. Let's get him, uh, <laughs> let's get him, like, a, a platform like a Star Born. Let's see what happens. Oh, hell yeah. He should play, <laughs> he could do, like, a, like, a biopic of somebody. Ooh. He could. There's gotta be someone, yeah, out there that he, he looks like. Hmm. I don't know. We'll figure that out. Yeah. We'll, we'll be in touch, Patrick. <laughs> Maybe like a damn. I would have said like Johnny Cash, but he's already done a good Johnny Cash movie. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, so he's chasing him around. Midnight Special, by the way, is like forever going to be associated with Twilight Zone the movie. Oh I mean, yeah, I'll never see it as anything else. Hundred percent. Yeah. You want to see something really scary? Like God, fucking damn it. Every time. I know it's coming, but Jesus. But it's still... We're going to do that movie in the future. Oh, most definitely. Highly underrated flick. And uh, Becky refuses to leave Travis, goes back. Cal is like, you know, you got to forget about that asshole. And Becky's like, what did you do? And before he can answer, Ross shows up, starts strangling Cal. And and that's when it's revealed they're in a time loop. Permanently hunted by an insane Ross in the grass, which is not at all the vibe I got from what the time loop is supposed to be. <sighs> Who yeah. fucking knows, man? I, I know. We're, we're, we're actually finding out there's a lot more problems with this movie as we talk about yes! it. Yes! Yes, we are. And it's affecting the score I'm going to give it. <laughs> Me too, goddammit. Tra- <laughs> so Travis has survived the fall, because this is a movie and we need that resolution. And he goes searching for Becky with, like, no wounds after doing, like, a 25-foot drop onto fucking concrete. I, like, it looked like he was landing on his legs, too. Like, I, I don't know. Whatever. Ugh. They hear each other on opposite sides of the field. Becky's attacked by Ross, escapes after stabbing him in the eye with a little pair of scissors as a thunderstorm begins. And this is where it gets even weirder. Becky gets attacked by grass creatures. Who carry her to the rock, which has apparently markings that signify her pregnancy as some kind of prophecy. And uh, she has a horrific vision underneath the rock where the ground drops and freaky things start coming out of it. And she starts making a phone call, the call to her past self to warn herself about Cal's betrayal. Then she passes out. And this is where I had to regroup because I Fucking hate when sh- movies go in this direction. That's why I didn't like Mother. Was one of many reasons I didn't like Mother. Ugh. Becky awakens to find Cal caring for her and feeding her something. Something red and warm and apparently delicious. And she looks over and she's been eating she's been eating her baby. Whew. I don't need that. I don't need to see that. That's not entertaining to me, man. Eating a baby. No, yeah, it kind of crosses the line, doesn't it? It's a it's a hallucination, but it's really fucked up. Yeah. It's there for shock value. Uh, yeah, okay. I will say this. If that would have happened 
at some point in The Shining. Yeah, I would, I would be like, oh, that's a weird scene in The Shining. But I would still love The Shining. You know what I mean? This is a bad movie. And then you throw that in there. You're like, what are you doing? What are you... Like you said, it's just for shock value. It's like, you can't do that. You can't just throw a shock value in there for the sake of shock value when there's nothing around it that's like, ah, that's that's passable. You know, nothing balances it out. No. It's just a bunch of tomfoolery and then what? That what, what That's supposed to scare me? No, now I'm just... I was already kind of like, oh, I'm getting a little bit bored here. And then now I'm like, fuck this. Like, this is gross. See, to me... I don't know. Back to what you said about The Shining. Oh, yeah, that's just an example. I know. I know. It's but just, like, you put a, <laughs> a baby... You put a person eating a baby in any movie I'm gonna have I'm gonna uh, yes I'm not gonna be okay with that I point out The Shining because we yeah. both love it and it's like it would it would actually fuck up The Shining it me. would taint it a it lot yeah, yeah yeah. any but, movie but my point is The Shining still has so many great elements yeah. to it this does not that's true so you can't do that if you already haven't shown a shit you know yeah so that's what's frustrating it's like oh really <laughs> who are you like this isn't Rosemary's baby get the fuck out of here like it's not nobody ate on. a baby in that one either no, no, but it's a, it's a very shocking movie. In fact, the only other movie I can think of off the top of my head where somebody is like physically eating a baby is Mother, which... The, the, the witch is rough. It's not really... It's she, not, I know it's not eat eating. I know it's not eating, but that's, that's a rough... That's a rough one. It's a rough sound. That's actually... Yeah. That is that a rough. good counterpoint, because yeah. baby gets mushed to death in that one. But this... But, but I still but like, like that movie. It makes sense. Like, it makes sense for the movie. Yeah. Like, she's killing it for a potion so that she can fly. <laughs> You have to like that's like that's a part of witchcraft is like they 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 think you have to like sacrifice babies in order to get to to fly. Yeah, it's in, it's insanity, <laughs> but it's a part of the movie. And well, it's, I mean, she did fly. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So in the world of the witch, no, it's not insanity. It, it fucking worked. Oi, we're going down a bad path here. That's all right. It's fucked up in this movie. Don't yeah. don't get us yeah. Don't get us wrong. That's that's on yeah. the record. It's fucked up in this movie. She starts. Becky starts realizing she's hallucinating. Cal, who is then revealed to be Ross, who's actually just fucking with her. Moments later, Travis stumbles upon Becky's unconscious body. Tobin finds him. They're confronted by Ross, who mortally wounds Travis, stabs him with like a bone. Ross tries to make Tobin touch the rock, and Becky attacks Ross and scratches out his other eye. <laughs> that just made me laugh. Yeah, at that point I was like, okay, what am, what am I doing? Reminded I finish this movie, so here we go. Reminded me of Austin Powers with Mustafa when he like kept getting shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. What you shot me right in the arm. What a comparison. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Uh, so he's... Becky scratches his eye out, and then she dies from her wounds. But what wounds? Like, the, it was a hallucination. She's still pregnant. Yeah. What What happened to Becky? Don't know. Ugh. The grass. Travis kills Ross by strangling him with the grass, which is pretty poetic, and realizes the only way to understand the grass is to touch the rock. Travis touches the rock, has a series of weird visions, grabs Tobin's hand, guides him through the grass to an exit, and says, I can't leave, but you don't belong here. Because the burnout who ran off on his girlfriend, who is pregnant, he's he's the guy. He's the savior of the grass. He's the one who can understand the grass. Yeah. I don't know. That's his calling in life. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. He gives uh, Becky, or uh, he gives Tobin Becky's necklace. And tells him he has to stop Becky and Cal from ever coming in here. And somehow, Tobin emerges from the church across the road, 
just as Becky and Cal are going to enter the grass for the first time, runs out and convinces them not to go in the grass by showing them Becky's necklace and closes the loop. Becky decides to keep the baby and they drive back home. Travis listens to them leave and peacefully dies in the grass as the grass consumes him. End of story. And then the credits rolled and I immediately started watching Rounders because I wanted to get this shit out of my brain. (laughs) (laughs) I had to write this goddamn script, so I just had to be in my head for a long time afterwards. Oh, man. But it's just... That's really what I did. I was like, I need to watch something that I love. And Rounders was it because it's on Netflix. Yeah, It's such a weird, hard-to-follow movie. So, time travel. What the fuck? (laughs) I don't know. Make a lick of sense. It doesn't have to be yeah. perfect, but make a little bit of sense. Yes. Be, yeah, make it coherent. Explain something. I don't know, man. Why I don't, is the I don't grass, like having zero answers. Why is the grass able to affect things outside of the grass? I don't understand. Like, how did it get Tobin in the church? No idea. Like, why? Ugh. No idea. This is such a strange, confusing movie. It is, and it, yeah, it just feels... It just feels so obviously unrealistic. Unfinished. So, and just unauthentic. Like, ah, mm, yeah, no. Right right from the get-go, like I said, there, that dialogue at the beginning is like, what is this? Like, this is one of Netflix's shit shows. And I don't, Stephen King on. is better than this. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, we don't... Especially the adaptations we've seen lately. Jesus Christ, they've yeah. been good. I don't know what the hell happened with I this one. I don't know, man. I did not like it. Did I'm going to read the story and report back to you if it's the, if the story problem. Because it might be. It might be, but I would love to give it that chance. But as a movie, not for me. Not for me. I only have one filmgasm fact for you. There is a 1959 Chevrolet standing outside the church with its grill customized to resemble Christine, the 58 Plymouth from Stephen King's novel. That's cool. That's about it. That's about the coolest part of the movie. Yep. And I didn't even notice it. I originally had In the Tall Grass as a 7, but after after talking about it, I'm going to lower that to a 6. Yeah, it's got a nice big 5 for me. It's not terrible, but its lack of explanations really bothers me. It, and it's close to bad. Like, yeah. It's close to being it's like... It's really if close. It, if it didn't have Patrick Wilson, I don't, yeah. I don't know what would have happened. With King, we tend to get a lot of the what and the who, but the how and the why are often neglected. Yeah. It's a pattern, and sometimes it works, but most times it just leaves me wanting more, and this is one of those times. Yes, agreed. Yeah. So, now that we're done with this shit show, what are we doing for Friday's bonus? Friday's bonus, of course, we've been talking about Patrick Wilson a lot. Um, there's routes to go, of course. We want to stay away from The Conjuring, because we've done that. Stay away from other James Wan things, because we've done that. <laughs> or we plan to. Yes. and Oh, yeah, yeah, he's also in... Uh, Sin- Insidious. Yeah, Insidious, Sinister's yeah. Ethan Hawke, yeah. Down the road. <clears throat> uh, but what we chose here is uh, a movie that I'd say has very, very mixed reviews. Yeah. Uh, it's exactly 10 years old, and it is Watchmen. Watchmen. Yes, starring Patrick Wilson and a lot of other really, really cool people. <laughs> Absolutely. Underrated really? modern classic based yeah. on the graphic novel by Alan Moore. Yeah, we kind of want to sec- set the record straight a little bit because it's definitely got a weird stigma around it. Yeah. And it is a good film. So, yeah, we're excited to talk about that one on the weekend. Fuck yes. Can't wait. So let's take a look at what happened this week in film. Mark Wahlberg has joined the upcoming Uncharted movie, playing opposite Tom Holland's Nathan Drake as Sully, Drake's mentor. This movie has been in production hell for so long, Wahlberg was originally considered as Nathan Drake himself. But I guess he's old enough to play the mentor now. And I, I want to like this. I'm a big Uncharted fan, but the casting is all wrong. Tom Holland's way too young to play Nathan Drake. 
I don't like the route they're taking with this. And I think it's going to bomb. Again. Just like every other video game movie that's not yeah. Resident Evil. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's going to do, like, good. I Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe kid, I feel like kids love him. You know, Tom Holland? They do. So maybe, maybe they'll check it out. He's a box office be, draw. What's it going to be rated, do you think? PG-13. Maybe so yeah, PG maybe, even. Yeah, maybe they'll, maybe they'll figure that out. I don't know. I like the game. The, oh, yeah, it's a good game, yeah. But they're not doing that. They're doing exactly what they did with Assassin's Creed. They're taking its own, the, the source material, smashing it against the, you know, the wall, and making their own thing out of it. Yeah, that had fucking Fassbender, so. Yeah, that was a... <laughs> Michael Fassbender, Marion Cotillard, Jeremy Irons, Brendan Gleeson, directed by Justin Kurzel, who just did Macbeth. How did that fail? That was fucking brilliant cast. And, oh, what a, what a disaster. Assassin's Creed. Ugh. Video game movies, man. What is going on? I, yeah, I don't know. They just can't do it. No. What's, yeah, that'd be a fun one. To, like, what's the best? The best for me? Pff, fucking Doom. <laughs> Because it's so ridiculous. I like I like uh, Tomb Raider, Angelina Jolie. Tomb I've Raider. never seen. I saw the Alicia Vikander one. I thought that was good. I've never seen the Angelina Jolie. Oh, ones. I love. Yeah, that one's. Those are fun. Yeah. No, not lo- I say love too much. I, I don't love them, but they're good. <laughs> <laughs> I have the same. I have the same uh, deal with video game movies that I do with book movies. Is I try to see them if I've you know read the book or seen the mo- or played the game. Yeah. And. That's, I never played Tomb Raider, so I never bothered with the movie. Fair enough. But I was a big Doom fan, so I saw that, and I was yeah. like, this is stupid, but it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Semper Fi, oh, motherfucker. That's faithful that, to the that's core. That's fantastic. Such a ridiculous movie. <laughs> We're going to do that as an episode in the oh, future, for sure. It's going to be a fun one. Next up, Eddie Murphy is set to finally begin production on Beverly Hills Cop 4 for Netflix. Took him 30 years. And the Dolomite success and all yep. that. And I don't think it's going to work. No, probably not. <laughs> Belated probably. sequels rarely pull it off. Probably should have uh, quit while he was ahead. Yeah. With, with the uh, Dolomite and the SNL thing happening in December. Yeah, We got he, Coming to America 2 next year, which yeah. I want to like, but I'm not holding my breath. We'll see, yeah. Next up, Dwayne Johnson has finally confirmed the long-awaited Black Adam movie for 2021 with Johnson starring as Black Adam, the arch-nemesis of Shazam. He's getting his own movie for some reason. They've had this greenlit for six, seven years now. They're finally doing it. Because of The Rock. Yeah. It's going to make a lot of money. I don't know. Even if even if it's Black Adam, it's going to make money. Yeah. It's The Rock, man. He always, he, like, his movies always do fine. They do. Right? Even Didn't even Rampage do fine? Yeah. yeah it did fine. So even that. Skyscraper. That did all right. Yeah. He, I think they always profit. But Black Adam, like, of all characters to get their own movie, why him? I don't know. He's fun to play with on uh, Injustice. <laughs> I don't know anything about Black Adam. Yeah, no, I don't know anything yeah. either. I just to play with, <laughs> yeah. with him on the video game. Next yeah. up, this one's really cool. Nicolas Cage is set to portray himself in the upcoming meta movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. <laughs> Apparently, it's a role that was sought after by many actors, and Cage had to fight for it. So this could be the long-awaited comeback. The unbearable weight of massive oh, talent. Oh, man, I can't wait. God damn. This I is, can't wait. This is going to be so bizarrely self-indulgent. It's going to be ridiculous. I'm in. 100%. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm all in. <laughs> oh, my God. This one pissed me off. The upcoming Kingsman prequel, The King's Man, has been pushed from February 2020 to September 2020. The reason has not been disclosed. The fuck? Yeah. Not, not coming good. out until September. 
Not good, Bob. What are they thinking? They're going to compete for some Oscars? <laughs> Fuck it. I don't know. It was such a... I was really looking forward to that for the early early year. Yeah. Something to look forward to, yeah, in the first few months. God damn it. Can't have anything. Patrick Wilson is returning to play Ocean Master in the upcoming Aquaman 2, set for 2022. Jason Momoa and Amber Heard are returning as well. Sweet. Any any reason to have more Patrick Wilson in my life? I'm all in. <laughs> Love the guy. And his turn as Ocean Master fucking ruled. Yeah, he's my favorite <laughs> character in the whole movie. Oh, Fuck yeah. So great. Finally, and I think you're going to like this one if you haven't heard this already, Roma is set to become the first Netflix original to get a Blu-ray release. How about that? After finally, after uh, being selected to join the Criterion Collection in February 2020. That makes sense. Okay. The Blu-ray includes a sea of bonus features not available on the Netflix release. I will be buying that. Several right documentaries, uh, trailers, and all sorts of stuff. I'm in. Commentary. Yeah. I'll I figured you'd be in. I'll that. be there to pick it up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Netflix movies tend to not like they've never gotten a, D- a DVD release, but this is the first time. I guess also the people the people wouldn't know quite how we feel about Roma. Here on the podcast because we started after it came out and after the Oscars last year. So we uh, we did do the first Filmgasm Awards. That was a YouTube exclusive yes. last year. Yes. And uh, as a special treat, we will be re-releasing that for the iTunes people. Uh, that was fun. Early next year. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And R- Roma, we talked about being one of the best movies of the year. We talked about Alfonso Cuarón being maybe the best director. Yeah, we love that one. It's yeah. great. Roma was a very interesting movie. Oh yeah. And uh, are you going to buy the Blu-ray? Oh, yeah. Of course, dude. Huge Quarren fan. Yeah. <laughs> cool that the Criterion collection is expanding to Netflix selections. I wonder if the Irishman will also get one. Probably. Yeah. In due time. Probably. Maybe Dolomite. Sweet. That's all for this week, guys. Sorry for the bare bones episode. We took a chance on In the Tall Grass. We hope it ended up being an enjoyable one for you. Feel free to subscribe to Filmgasm on iTunes or YouTube. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for daily updates and reviews, as well as the occasional bonus. We just released a bonus on Jojo Rabbit this past Sunday. Check that out. We appreciate any and all feedback. If you enjoy the show, if you hate the show, if you have some movie suggestions, anything. You can leave comments on YouTube or on our social media, or you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Oh, yeah. See you guys later. Next week, we're going very dark. Into the mind of horror legend Wes Craven. We travel to Haiti, where an anthropologist is drawn into a voodoo cult that's turning people into brain-dead zombies. Don't miss The Serpent and the Rainbow next Wednesday on Filmgasm. We both haven't seen this one either, so wish us luck. Until then, try not to get lost in endless fields of grass, and maybe just keep driving if you even see one. If there's one thing Stephen King should have taught us by now, it's that darkness hides in plain sight and it will do whatever it can to get its hands on you.